Support for this podcast and the following message comes from KUST Campus Radio, a student-operated, non-commercial radio station. KUST provides students and faculty of St. Thomas a platform dedicated to creative storytelling, diverse viewpoints, and exploring a vast array of audio content. Tune in at any time to KUST at Mixler.com slash KUST hyphen radio. Welcome to Cold Facts Hot Takes. In this podcast, we will discuss pop culture conspiracy theories and the cases around them. Today, we'll talk about Bonnie and Clyde and our own personal takes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Cold Facts Hot Takes. I'm Kayla Mayer, here with my co-host. May McFarlane. Kayla, this is so weird. Zoom. Zoom in. Zoom in. Zoom in. It's actually, I'm excited though to see how this goes because a lot of like podcasts I listen to, like professional ones are doing it this way. So I feel like we're even more professional like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really toughen it out here. Really high. One of the bros. One of the podcast bros. Podcast bros. Oh, love it. We love to see it. <laughs> well Kayla I think this is going to be one of my favorite topics that we talk about I've been really looking forward to this one Bonnie and Clyde their story is just crazy it's iconic and there's a lot more to it than a lot of people think or like think they know about it and I like to consider myself you know a connoisseur of true crime (laughs) and all this kind of stuff, but during research, and I've listened to um, podcasts about it before, it's some weird circumstances, and some weird stuff happens, you know, they're just goofy, it's the best way to put it, they're goofy. Mm -hmm. It's, honestly, it's something out of a movie, like, that's why, I feel like that's why they're still so well known to this day, yeah. So and, crazy. And they got really famous after that movie of them came out in the 60s or whatever. There's a movie that was really famous about them. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it, but <laughs> I've heard it's really good. Yeah. So Bonnie and Clyde have really been romanticized over the years. Um, a lot of people see them similar to Romeo and Juliet. Just the added danger of the criminal lifestyle really we love a good has made, <laughs> yeah love a good criminal man <laughs> um and partly like why they're they got so famous like at the time too was that it was the great depression mm-hmm. um so a lot of people were looking for something to kind of distract them from you know the bad economy and rough times yeah, no, and I think that something that also like made them really famous was the fact that they were two poor kids doing, you know, they were almost like Robin Hood. I mean, they weren't really giving money back to anyone, but they were taking money from the rich and the rich banks and everything, and they were, it was kind of, um, people saw them almost as vigilantes. Yeah, um, so we'll start out with 
before their lives of crime. So Clyde, um, he was born Clyde Barrow. He was born into a poor farm family in Texas. In 1909, he was the fifth of seven kids. Um, when he was 12, a drought came and the family farm died. So they moved to Dallas. And something interesting about Clyde that not really a lot of people know, I feel like, is that he was, he was small. He was only about like 5'7", and he was skinny. We love to see it. <laughs> um, so Clyde wanted to be a musician, and he wanted to be famous. He wanted to be a famous musician. And he learned, as a kid, he learned to play guitar and saxophone. And then as a teenager, he tried to enlist in the Navy, but he was rejected due to some lingering effects of some serious childhood illness. Um, people think it could have been malaria or yellow fever. And he even had two serious girlfriends before he met Bonnie. And then his older, bro his older brother, Buck, was a pretty bad influence on him. And he's the one who introduced Clyde to a life of crime. So it started with petty theft, then it turned into stealing cars. And he was first arrested in 1926. He was 16 for car theft after he failed to return a rental car that he got to visit a high school girlfriend. The rental car agency ended up dropping the charges, but the incident still remained on his arrest record. And three weeks later, he was arrested again with Buck for possession of a truckload of stolen turkeys. And by the time he was 20 years old, Clyde was already a fugitive, wanted for several armed robberies. Which is so interesting. You know, like, 20 years old, he's already done all these things, and I just, it gets even better than this. You know, like, at the end of the whole situation, they're only, like, what, 24? Yeah, I think, yeah, so, I think Clyde was 24 and Bonnie was 23. Yeah, no, they're so young at the end of this, but to talk about Bonnie a little bit, you know, she's also born in Texas um, in 1910. She had an older brother and a younger sister. Um, they lived well from her dad's job, but at four, her dad died. And so, you know, the family moved to a poor suburb of Dallas called Cement City. Um, and again, this is another funny thing about her size is she's like less than five feet tall and like a hundred pounds. So Clyde being short is not that big of an issue in their relationship because he's pretty tall compared to her. Um, but she's very, very beautiful. And that was kind of her thing. And she kind of, she was cute and funny. And that's why people liked her so much. But she really dreamed of becoming an actress. And um, she was really obsessed with all like the movie theaters and like seeing people on the screen. But before she was even 16, she got married. And to a guy named Roy Thornton. And she got him, his name tattooed on her right thigh girl no <laughs> don't do it <laughs> but unfortunately their marriage wasn't good he was abusive and um but they never got divorced and so keep in mind she was 16 when this happened but he was sentenced to five years in prison for robbery and she's like 
oh, I don't need to divorce him. That's just not fair to him. But then Bonnie moved away and never saw him again. So she never got divorced, but she never stayed with him. So when some, you lose some. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty soon she'd find the man of her dreams. Good. Ugh, goals. So we get to January 1930. Ugh. Infamous. Yes, just an infamous day. They, Bonnie and Clyde meet through a mutual friend and it's love at first sight. Um, Clyde goes to prison. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> a few weeks later, he's in prison. I read um, somewhere that he was arrested at Bonnie's house when he was meeting her mom for the first time. I think, yeah. Yeah, like in her living room, <laughs> he was arrested. <laughs> it's a great first impression. It really is. I think it's so funny. Oh my goodness. And despite only knowing each other for such a short time, um, the chemistry was just instantaneous. To the dismay of Bonnie's mother, obviously, because she wanted like a better life for him. But Bonnie would go and visit him in prison and like smuggled a gun for him to escape. So even though they only knew each other for that short amount of time, they really liked each other. Yeah, and with the gun that Bonnie smuggled in for him, he escaped from prison, was captured, and then sentenced to 14 years of hard labor and transferred to Eastham State Farm. Which sounds awful. Just absolutely awful. Um, they're a high security prison known for its harsh treatment of inmates, and prisoners died doing backbreaking labor. But, you know, so this can be a little graphic, but during this time, Clyde was abused. And I heard this on another podcast I listened to in preparation for this because I do my homework. Um, he was assaulted. Clyde was assaulted by another inmate who was an inmate who was kind of like hired by the police, by like the people on staff to kind of police the other inmates. But Clyde, you know, after a while got really fed up and he killed the guy that was assaulting him. And he didn't get in trouble for it. Another guy took the blame for him, which I think is a miracle somehow but while he was desperate to escape and like a lot of guys did this but hoping that a physical disability would lead to a transfer he and another inmate cut off his two big toes and Clyde obviously didn't realize how important your big toe is to balance and to everything <laughs> but he shouldn't have done this because at the time, the governor of Texas, um, I can't, I'm blanking on her name. I believe it was a woman at the time, though, but they gave pardons to people if their mothers, like, made a special plea about it, and he was paroled, like, a week after cutting his toe off. So then he said that he would rather die than return to Eastham, and that's kind of where things got to go in Bonnie. She, he got back with Bonnie and things went from there. Yeah. So things just kind of take off from there for them. 
Um, so, well, at first Clyde did try to get a real job in Dallas, but um, that didn't last. Police har harassment caused him to lose it. He gave up on the crime-free lifestyle and formed the infamous Barrow Gang. Um, at different times, this gang included Ray Hamilton, W.D. Jones, who was 16 at the time Bonnie and Clyde recruited him, um, Buck Barrow, his older brother, can't say, I'm too surprised about that one, um, Blanche Barrow, who is the wife of Buck, and Henry Methven. And Buck and Blanche are really important to the story later on. Yeah, so Bonnie first told her mother that she'd found an out-of-town job and ended up joining Clyde and the Barrow Gang. So they first planned to rob a hardware store. Bonnie stayed in the car during the robbery, but somehow was captured and jailed for two months. She wrote poetry while she was in jail, including the story of Suicide Sal, which was about a woman who joins a gang and is left to rot in prison by an uncaring man. So she was pissed. <laughs> um, and over the years, she continued to write poetry, including The Trail's End, which was written a few weeks before she and Clyde were killed, and ended with this foreshadowing last stanza. Someday they'll go down together and they'll bury them side by side. To few, it'll be grief to the law of relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. Beautiful. A star. Eventually she was released for lack of evidence and returned home to her mother, but that didn't last long. Um, while Bonnie was in jail, Clyde and Ray Hamilton, um, they were planning another robbery. It was supposed to be really easy because they knew the guy that they were robbing, but they ended up shooting and killing the guy, the store owner, John Butcher, and that was the first murder. Um, unintentional, but the first murder of the gang. And um, Bonnie was discontent in her hometown. And, you know, the moment Clyde came running, she joined him. And she, like, vowed she, oh, excuse me. Um, he vowed never to return to prison, but, like, staying with him meant death for both of them. So, like, they, like, kind of knew going in that this was, like, this is going to be it. Just because that's how, like, risky it was to... I guess, be a criminal at that time. But, I mean, obviously still is. But especially, you know, when, like, all that you do to survive is be a gangster. <laughs> Which I would consider them gangsters. Oh, yeah, definitely. Kind of scary. Gangster chic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sounds like a magazine. Catch me on the cover of Gangster Chic. I hate that so much. <laughs> I love and hate it. I love it. Oh, man. <laughs> um, Bonnie and Clyde both really valued their family, and they would come back often to visit them, their family, and the police, like, were aware that they were doing it, but they had ways of, like, getting around that, and their families were really good about it. Um, and at one of these, like, meetings with their families, that's when they recruited W.D. Jones, the 16-year-old. He was one of 
Clyde's like family friends kids or something you know he was literally just a kid Bonnie and Clyde were about 20 21 when they were started doing this but I guess over the next two years from 1932 to 34 Bonnie and Clyde they robbed grocery stores gas stations small town banks and businesses across Texas Oklahoma Missouri Louisiana and New Mexico so basically all of the southwest so they made their way around yeah um they always tried to stay so the reason why they crossed so many states is because they always tried to stay close to a state border because at the time police can cross state boundaries to follow a criminal and so like they cross the state line and the police couldn't do anything else so that's how they escaped a lot of their close calls um they would also change cars frequently by stealing one changing the license plates um Clyde studied maps a lot and knew the back roads really well so he was a pretty good getaway driver he and since it was really good he was really good at hot wiring cars that's like the thing he's known for is hot wiring those old like model t model a cars like that are impossible to start anyways he was really good at hot wiring those and since it was the great depression none of the places that they robbed were doing very well so a lot of their payouts were small usually bags of nickels and dimes um so you know in 1932 you know they'd been gone for a while but that's when the fbi kind of got on them um the fbi found out about an abandoned car in michigan that was stolen from oklahoma so obviously crossing state lines means the fbi can get involved and when they were investigating a second stolen car in Oklahoma, they found a prescription bottle that had been filled for Clyde's aunt. So they were able to put like a name, like a family name with the robberies. But the FBI involvement is kind of what like ups the ante for them. Yeah, and that brings us to about 1933. They have their first police shootout in Joplin, Missouri. At this time, they were wanted for murder, bank robbery, auto theft, and dozens of counts of robbery in general. So it's March 1933. Buck was just released from prison, and the Barrow gang all decided to rent an apartment in Joplin to reunite. So it's Buck, uh, Bonnie, Clyde, Jones, um, and Blanche, and they all spend two weeks just chatting, cooking, playing cards, getting up to, you know, the old hijinks of a bunch of 16 to about 20 year olds. And basically how I imagine it is it's just this montage scene in a movie of everyone just having fun before everything just goes downhill. I think of that scene in Great Gatsby, the one with Leo, where they're in that apartment in the city. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this whole movie is very great Gatsby to me. Obviously because it's the same time period, but the whole like crime and love star-crossed and, lovers. Oh, yeah. But this is when Bonnie and Clyde take those ridiculous photos of them that everyone knows they're standing on the with the car and they both have cigars in their mouth and 
Bonnie is like showing her ankles and (laughs) (laughs) scandalous you know but that's when they take those pictures is on that trip and then after the shootout police find those photos but during that police shootout Blanche runs away one policeman is killed another is wounded you know they're able to like get in the car and drive away and then pick up Blanche on their way out of town but they found all of this information they found I'm pretty sure they found Buck's like pardon from prison they found prescriptions and newspapers and they found like well, newspaper clippings excuse me and photos and everything and but when they like po- posted these photos of them in the newspaper that's when they got super ridiculously famous and like bonnie was all about it she like finally had her fame like it didn't matter that it was for being a criminal yeah and like they just soaked it up but even though it made it so much harder for them because now everyone knew what they looked like everyone knew who they were looking for and that just did not help with their crime spree no it didn't but the fbi only had jurisdiction on the auto theft like everything else was considered state crimes and so you know they couldn't go to prison for murder they could go to prison for car theft because that's what the feds had on them but this is kind of the beginning of the end, isn't it, Kayla? Yeah. So once they blow up, they are able to evade authorities for two months until about June um, when they were making, trying to make an escape in Texas. And Clyde was, you know, driving like 70 miles per hour. And he realized too late that the bridge ahead of them was closed for repairs. He swerved and drove down an, emb- an embankment. Mm-hmm. Clyde and W.D. Jones were fine, but battery acid leaked onto Bonnie's right leg, and it burned it severely from her hip to her knee. And this is a little graphic, so if you don't like um, blood or gore descriptions, pause. Um, so this, the battery acid burned her her thigh down to the bone in some places. And they, since they were on the run, they couldn't stop and get her proper medical attention. So Clyde and Blanche had to help nurse it. The wound, understandably, never healed properly. And she um, was unable to walk properly the rest of her life and would even sometimes have to be carried. Yeah, she was, you know, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And it kind of does come down to they all became the weakest links in the group because their injuries just kept adding up. Um, But, you know, after they get away and, you know, they get into that car accident, they hid in two cabins at the Red Crown Tavern in Platte City, Missouri. But were discovered again. There was another sh- shootout, and they ran into the woods. But Buck was shot in the head, didn't die. But this is kind of gross. But the forehead wound exposed part of his brain, 
and but together they all made a run to the garage and drove away um the police shot after oh chased after excuse me obviously is still shooting and they shot out two tires and shattered a window so in the glass from the window went into blanche's eye like forever blinding her <laughs> but they drove all day and all night only stopped to change bandages and you know fix some new tires but they were driving with buck who literally had been shot through the head and blanche had glass in her eyes and bonnie was picking the glass out of blanche's eyes while bonnie had a battery acid injury on her legs <laughs> just so wild like this is a this is a tarantino movie like there are uh, it's a miracle that they lived as long as they did but you know they didn't stop until they got up to dexter iowa iowa but the police were on them again obviously go iowa go iowa um but the police were on them again and were alerted by a local farmer who would like found bandages and stuff, but so this is shootout number three. Over a hundred policemen, National Guard, and local farmers came and surrounded them. <laughs> um, Clyde, Jones, and Buck. I don't understand how he was able to like move and stuff, but he was shooting, like he was wielding a gun. Even though his brain was exposed, just, yeah. you know. Gosh, I can't even imagine it. But um, at this encounter, um, Buck and Blanche were arrested. And Buck dies a couple days later. Um, but Blanche would be sentenced to only, like, a handful of years in prison. Because they're, she's she's obviously not part of the gang. She's the wife of a gang member. Um, and she, like, confesses to stuff, obviously, like, all these things. They don't really lie about the crimes they did. They just, like, ran away from them. You know, because they wanted the attention. But um, Bonnie and Clyde and WD, they drive away, but after Clyde was shot in the arm, he crashed into a tree, and they swam across a river, and then Clyde stole another car. And then WD, who'd gotten shot in the head, was arrested in November later, but WD would tell the police inside info about how Bonnie and Clyde worked, including like their family ties. So like poor WD who was probably like 17 now, like just kind of gets caught up into it and sells them out almost. Yeah, so now the Barrow gang is down to two. Bonnie and Clyde. So they spent several months recovering, but they did eventually return to their life of crime. They had to be careful to avoid being recognized. So they slept in the car at night and drove during the day like normal people would. And in January 1934, Bonnie and Clyde drive back to Texas to Eastham to free a former gang member. Raymond Hamilton. So in this escape, one guard was killed, and they also freed several of Hamilton's fellow prisoners, including Henry Methvin, 
who would end up being their downfall. After an argument with Clyde, um, Hamilton left, but Methvin stayed with them. So then the following crime spree included the murder of two motorcycle cops in Grapevine, Texas. I, I believe Methvin is the one who shot them. And then a couple days later, Methvin kills a constable in Commerce, Oklahoma. So he's just really riling up the police for them and um, getting them to come after them even more. Yeah, with the murder of the police officers and stuff, he really sets a bad rap for the gang, for Bonnie and Clyde, you know, uh, up until that point. I think less than 10 people had been killed. You know, it wasn't, I mean, obviously people still died, but it wasn't crazy. <laughs> obviously, I, I mean, I don't mean to downplay it, but um, he really, Methvin really, like, upped the ante for the fact that, like, the police needed to get them right now. They needed to be arrested, like, all these things. He kind of made the circumstances dicier for them. So, since WD had revealed their family ties, the police prepared to use this to ambush them. Mm -hmm. um, so they found out in May that Methvin had split off from them, and they assumed that um, Bonnie and Clyde would look for Methvin at his dad's farm. So the police planned an ambush on the road that they'd have to take to get there. And Methvin's dad actually cut a deal with the police um, in return for leniency for his son. So the police took his truck, removed one of the tires, and placed it on Highway 154 in Louisiana. And here we are at the end of Bonnie and Clyde. You know, so this is what, May 23rd, 1934. Keep in mind, this is over the, the events that we've talked about were over a span of two and a half years maybe eight maybe even like 18 months like less than two years but Clyde realized the bait you know they were coming down the road he slowed down and officers began shooting and Bonnie and Clyde didn't have time to react um, there was more than 130 bullets between the two of them um, that were shot excuse me and they were killed almost immediately. But Clyde had 51 bullet wounds and Bonnie had 53. Um, but Bonnie was found with Thornton's running wedding ring still on her finger, like that first husband. I think that's weird. But um, before they died, Bonnie had requested to be buried with Clyde. Um, but her mother buried her in a different cemetery, which I think is kind of funny. The mom really had the last say in it. But that ending just makes me so depressed. Yeah, just crazy. I don't know. Good ending. <laughs> I know. I wish, like, yeah, they just had no time to react. So, like, it's just very, like, it's not dramatic enough for them, I feel like. Yeah, it's not good enough. <laughs> I want more. <laughs> Oh, it's not the movie ending, but life isn't a movie. We should know that by now. But yeah, so that's Bonnie and Clyde. Very brief 
we could go on for about four episodes about them, I think. Dig into their past and the crimes they committed. And they had like four different gangs over their time working, but it the transient lifestyle was kind of too much for Bonnie sometimes. So sometimes she'd be at home, sometimes he'd be away, sometimes they'd both be gone. Sometimes they'd have people that Clyde knew from prison with them. You know, there there's a lot of moving parts, but what we mentioned was the main Barrow gang. Mm-hmm. The stuff that you need to know about Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Well, and the stuff that is pretty common. You know, it's there's a lot of like lore about Bonnie and Clyde, but this is like their story. Yeah. Um, but obviously we have our sources and, um, we got stuff from the FBI, um, biography.com, um, history, Britannica, Thought Co., um, Perry News, and, um, Kayla got some case files from vault.fbi.gov. So you know it's legit. Yeah, we're going to the feds for our info. Well, thanks for listening today, guys. For more cold facts, hot takes, check out tommymedia.com. I'm Kayla Mayer with May McFarlane. Talk to you guys next time. Bye.